Logarithms Netmon Freemium delivers real-time network visibility to quickly identify emerging threats in your IT environment. Netmon Freemium is a free commercial-grade network forensics and traffic analytics solution. You can use Netmon Freemium's powerful capabilities to search against all observed network traffic, identify abnormal traffic patterns and application usage, and quickly analyze full packet captures. Take the first step towards real-time network visibility. Visit logarithm.com forward slash freemium to learn more and download it today. IT Pro TV is the resource to keep you and your IT team's skills up to date. IT Pro TV's team solution provides group pricing and access to their supervisor portal. You'll gain full control over your team's training schedule, see individual and group analytics, and more. IT Pro TV does IT Live every day, so you know you're getting the most current IT training. Go to itpro.tv forward slash enterprise security and use the code ES30 to try it free for seven days and receive 30% off your monthly membership for for the lifetime of your active subscription. To learn more about IT Pro TV's team solution, sign up for a free demo of their supervisor portal. Welcome back, everyone, to Enterprise Security Weekly. If you are a security professional, you're going to want to look at SANS Hackfest, November 13th through the 20th in Bethesda, Maryland. It is the most offensive-focused training event of the year, so if you're interested in how people are actually breaking into your networks, and you want to do some fun stuff like Net Wars with Coinapalooza, Cyber City Missions, and a super secret challenge, uh, you want to go to HackFest. The summit is the 13th and the 14th. That'll be two days of informative and technical talks led by none other than Ed Scotus. Uh, I will be speaking there. Uh, my talk is how to defend against pen testers and win. You can save $300 off your ticket by going to sands.org forward slash hackfest. And if you're registering for the summit, you get $300 off if you use the code hackfest17. So make sure you check that out. Uh, we're going to talk about security operations and endpoint protection. Uh, Matt, you had a, a list of companies that you've uh, been working with and analyzing for uh, for some time, which I'm assuming relate to our topic for today. A little bit, yeah. You know, the, the, the operation center is interesting, right? At RSA, you know, we bought the NetWitness product and, and really started looking at how do you bring packet and log data together to drive the SOC and Archer set kind of on top of that. So I've always had, you know, kind of this interest in the security operation center itself, right? Mm. And so that was kind of the de facto, right? And what you're starting to see now is some very interesting technologies starting to come up where... They don't need a lot of hardware on-premise, right? NetWitness has their decoders and their concentrators to pull all this network traffic and the log data to put it to the SOC. So you started to see interesting shifts of just grabbing the network data and sending it up to the cloud um, and then analyzing it up there. Get the horsepower out of the cloud environment and you know start to run your analytics routines and your ML and all that other fancy stuff, right? And so you're starting to see a new wave of some of these SOC tools start to come. And two of them that come to mind, obviously, for me are ProtectWise here in Colorado, mm -hmm. Scott Chasen's company, where they've been you know, working for the last few years on really streaming that data up, put, getting it in the platform, not only doing retrospective analysis, but also what are all those new threat actors and, and how do you respond faster? And so very interesting tech. And then the announcement at Black Hat, um, right before Black Hat, we did on the Black Hat Summary Show a couple of weeks ago on Startup Security Weekly, a company called JASK.AI, right? The, again, I think a similar approach to ProtectWise, 
leveraging analytics and ML really to try to help improve the level one SOC analyst role in kind of finding the needles in the haystack and then, you know, moving those resources up into level two and level three. So those are two that just pop out right away. You know, you know what's interesting, Matt, ha- have you seen, uh, there's two new vendors that I think are trying to create a new category. Um, one is Awake Security. Have you seen that one? I have not seen them. So what they I talked to is, them. I have you really talked to them, Michael? Yeah. I, and yeah. I, yep. So I, 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 let me try and explain what I, what I think they do and where their, their benefits are. They're going to be on Startup Security Weekly, Paul. Yes, yeah, and that's, that's how we got uh, engaged with them, right? So um, they say, well, you're a SOC analyst. You're looking at all the results of all your tools and analyzing it, and you come to the conclusion that, like, this host is interesting. Your next logical question, having done this type of analysis myself, especially working in a university, I was like, well, what, what is that? Like, what, what, is it, what does it normally do? Like, who, what applications does it run normally? What protocols does it talk? Like, put a frame of reference around maybe what I've just discovered. That can either force me to do some more investigation or say, no, that's what that machine does. In other words, my alert was some Windows-based event. I go to some someone like Awake and they say, well, no, based on analyzing this device for some time on via network traffic, it's really not Windows, it's really Linux. And I'm like, oh, okay, I don't have to worry about that. Or maybe it's something more interesting. So they're providing those insights to the SOC analyst that in being an analyst uh, in an, uh, security operations, the inevitable question is, well, what is, what is that? What, could you, and I guess what they're banking on is, Michael, and some of the conversations I have with them, like, so you're basically throwing off the table that any organization out there, and I agree with them on this point, by the way, any organization out there, you have no idea what your assets are, who should own them, what protocols they're talking. Like, you, there's just no way to do that in the enterprise today. Was that your assessment, Michael, or did you have a different take on it? Well, I mean, I think ServiceNow would tell you that they have solutions for it, and I, I'm still waiting for ServiceNow to move more aggressively into this space. Mm-hmm. But if we flip back to that point, you know, when I talked to Gary at Awake, one of the things that he said that really kind of impressed me was, uh, and and I actually love Matt's experience on this, he said, you know, we started asking all these people in the SOC, like, t- describe your job. Like, uh, give yeah. me three words that describe your job. And he's like, you know, we didn't hear, I'm excited, I like it. He's like, I, I dread it, uh, I'm always wrong, and everything else. And, he, and then, you know, he was talking about the number of tools that it takes these days and the number of steps in order to chase something down. And it's it's this whole, and he's not the only one who's brought this up to me recently. We have this really weird cycle in this quest of, but I'll get you better data. 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 P.S. You only have to check 17 screens, mm. right? In this whole one single pane of glass thing, some people hmm. say, oh, we could totally do it. Others will say, it's a farce. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but the point is, if you're that analyst and you're in the sock, you don't get to do the fun stuff that we talked about. You're not threat hunting. You're, you're, not, you're not on the exciting part of it. You're on the, if I'm wrong, I'm probably fired. And if I'm right, but it pisses people off, I'm also probably fired, or at least no one likes me. By the way, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. It's it's certainly the impression that people get. Oh, and I've got all these tools and all this stuff to do. And you know, I call it risk catnip. You're chasing a lot of stuff. It feels good in the moment. It's not necessarily providing a ton of value, and it's really tough to get around. And Awake is saying, what what if we could cut through some of that? What if we stopped giving you so much noise, and we made it possible to let the humans do what humans are good at again? Uh, on on its face, I love it. I don't think I got as deep into how it actually functions as you did. But Matt, even with that, as you're looking at these at these tools, are, are these new tools looking at that? Are they saying, hey, we, we know A, 
I can't staff a SOC with 10 analysts. I can maybe get one or two, or I've got to push out to an MSP. Uh, and so they need to know that this is actually worth looking at. So instead of having to go to 15 tools, I'm going to be able to pull it all together and I'm going to give them one display or I'm going to give them, you know, maybe not an alert. I, somebody a couple of years ago said, we don't do alerts, we do confirmations. Oh, okay. Neat way to change the discussion. P.S. That company got sold. So I don't think they, they marketed themselves very well. But um, Respond software, does that ring a bell? That's in the same space for my estimation. Yeah, that's another one that mm -hmm. they just announced a couple of weeks ago. So I think the problem's right in that, look, there's a ton of data. The question is how best to sift through the data and make yeah. the SOC 1 analyst more effective, right? And there's a debate on do I need endpoint information, log information, network information, et cetera. Some people will tell you, look, the network doesn't lie. That's all I need. Uh, and I think that's mm -hmm. kind of ProtectWise's stance is, look, we're pulling actual packet capture data. We can see everything on the network. So we have a really good handle on, on what's there. And, and they think they can um, do better analytics and, and drive to that confirmation outcome. Right. Um, others will say, yeah, it's that, but I also need some log and I need some of this and some of that. And so I think JASC is kind of more that approach where it's a combination of things bringing that together. What they're all trying to do is they're trying to make that level one analyst job a little less daunting because there's just so much data. Um, I, I don't know that there's a, I don't know how well. Um, some of these have, have actually worked, but I, I know some of these guys are getting really good traction over the old way of doing it, which was, well, let me shove everything into the sim and see if that works. Right. That's not yeah. working. We know right? that didn't work. Right. It didn't work and it's not working, but that's still the main tool that a lot of these analysts attempt to use. And it's, mm -hmm. it's just way, it's not helping at all. Um, and, and then the, even the net witness, um, packet and log combination seem to have helped, but it, it's still hard, right? And it's really expensive. So yeah. how much well, more? Yeah. Is they, uh, RSA incorporates a, an endpoint component in there as well, correct? They have an agent that, that does some stuff as well. Yeah, they have an, uh, an agent that also fits into that part of the portfolio um, to help with grabbing some of the forensics data off, like what's running in memory and, and yeah. some other stuff. It was an acquisition they did after NetWitness. Um, ECAT e is what they call it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that plays, but it plays as part of, wait, something looks wrong. Let me get the ECAT agent out there, then pull some of the stuff you know, out of memory or off you. disk mm -hmm. and, and tie that into the whole incident response process and, and part of that investigation work. Um, that still means the alert had to be right for you to go get ECAT on the device to pull the forensics to do the investigation to decide, okay, good, or, oh, yeah, false alarm, move on, right? And so well, how and what, do you bring what all a that lot of, What a lot of organizations will do is uh, deploy Carbon Black to all of their workstations and integrate that into this whole mix. It kind of speaks to my, my enchanting quadrants, right? Like you pull from network, you pull from logs, you pull from endpoints, and maybe you have a threat intelligence source as well to round out the four. Um, yeah. But correlating all that data together, like what what product does that? Yeah, <laughs> Everyone uses something it? different, right? So oh, a Python script, with, yeah. like what? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got CrowdStrike, you have Carbon Black, um, even some of the Silent stuff, right? You mm -hmm. see those guys. In, but but what's the best platform to integrate in? If you're integrating into your sim, 
think about the fidelity loss yeah. of taking all that yeah. Yeah. really cool endpoint detection response data and then shoving it into a sim. I, I, I just it doesn't work. So, what is that platform? Well, have That's you looked at? Think, have you looked at? Have you looked at what Bay Networks is doing? Because one of the things that I, that I that I and we had Stephen on the sh- on the startup show, but what's kind of interesting is like they're kind of like you know if the, if you've already got something in all the enchanted quadrants, Paul, mm-hmm. they're saying okay, look, we, we've got a fabric and we're going to pull from whatever you've got and we're going to give you a better picture and you know PS we're going to put a dollar value to it so that you've got a way to show value. In fact. I looked at it as you've got a way to show value. They looked at it as more as you know where to prioritize your actions based on value. Matt, are you seeing like how? how uh, let's use that first of all. I'm curious if you've seen what Bay is doing, Bay Dynamics is doing, and if you like it or not. But then, in that same realm, I'm kind of curious. How do we know if these things are working? Like, what should we be looking for as a sign that, yep, that's good. That's giving us value. We're better with this than we were without it. Yes. Yeah, so- uh, yeah, well, I'll try to answer both of those. Uh, so I know yes, I gave you like two really simple questions. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple softballs. Thanks. <laughs> but I've seen Bay, and I track Bay for a long time. I think of Bay as more of a proactive tool, not a reactive tool. And and what I mean by that okay. is more in the threat yeah. threat vulnerability management side, right? So. Look, I see vulnerabilities in devices, applications. Here's my threat intel. Let me help you prioritize where potential risks and activities are. I see that more on the proactive side, competing with Kenna, RiskSense, NOPSEC, et cetera. Okay, that's where I, that traditionally where Bay is played. I, I don't think they have the scale to take that and drive the sock with it, based on what I've seen. Um, so that's kind of where I put Bay. Um, your second question, uh, remind me what the second question was. Again. How do we measure it? I mean, oh, like, how like do we measure it? These, <laughs> yeah. Like, how do we know if it's good? This is the hard part, right? Um, Agreed. is you try to extract out value, right? Is value shrinking detection window times? Uh, is it responding faster? I mean, we really have to start thinking about, look, I think the average is still six months to detect an attack. Think about how long it takes us to respond after that. Are those the appropriate metrics? Um, looking at different aspects of the kill chain, and can we shrink those down? Uh, I, it's hard, right? Because you don't know necessarily until after the fact, right? So does it mean I have fewer breaches? Does it mean I detected a potential breach in three months instead of six months? Those are potential metrics. But this is where some of the protect-wise stuff I think is interesting to me in this concept of retrospection. When I find a breach, can I now go back in time, learn to see where the original penetration came from, um, and start to extract out ways to find them in the future, right? So this concept of retrospection, go back, okay, what was all infected? When was it infected? How was it infected? Does that help me drive better detection response for the next one. Uh, Think about most of the tools. They throw the data away, right? They're like getting all this data. They don't keep it very long. How are you going to go back and learn from it? It, It's really hard unless you're storing massive amounts of of this data, which I don't think most people do. Hmm. So do you think we're not asking that question enough then? Like, are, are we still, are we kind of at that point where like, oh, it's all really bad. And so use me, I'll be better. Like, is this like the blinky lights 2.0? And, and instead I, of actually showing people systematically how to improve their operations, we're just selling them the next thing that, you know, we kind of hope 
cross our fingers, trust us, you're getting better for it? Well, what I'm hoping is this value extraction starts to come in some of these spaces, right? Um, I'm hopeful that can we start to extract out real value from these next tools? I, I had a really interesting discussion with with Greg Martin at JASK. Um, I think they have a pretty good handle on the problem. I think they are starting to articulate where their value is. I've had the same conversations with Scott Chasen over at ProtectWise. They do some really good stuff. It's like, how do you extract that out and really explain it to people um, and driving some value benefit out the other side for them? And and so hopefully as we, you know, maybe Friday when we get into more of the category stuff um, a little bit, we can get into this a little more, but we've got to figure out how these tools solve these problems and provide value back into these organizations. Because just saying we're the next 2.0 or next gen blinky light right. thing, it's not going to be enough. No. No, e even as Gartner tells us that the spend is on the rise and everybody else tells us, right, what they say, budgets are up 7% this year. By the way, every time Gartner says that, and I go talk to actual CISOs, they always go, <laughs> yeah, I wish. Not, not for me, man. Yeah. I don't. I don't know where they got that data from. You know, but like, but I look at it. You know, like you do, Matt. When, when I look at value, right? So, what problem are you trying to solve? What's the value? Value for me is a priority statement. Like, does of the hundred problems I've got to try to solve, are you cracking a dent? Let's say in my top five, and or are you taking something else completely off my plate and you're freeing up my time, my energy, my resources to go focus on something else? Then a lot of times when I ask people this question in security, they just go. Well, it's security. Like, there's no value, and we we all know, at least on this, we we all know that's not true. But but I accept that it's a, it's not the way security's been wired to think for 20 years. It's not the way we think about it. But as we see these types of things permeate up more and more into the executive suite in the boardroom, the question then is, if, if you're trying to solve one of these problems, can you articulate that problem in a way somebody else understands it? And then when you've made that decision, you know, and P.S., this is not new. I've been to a lot of CIO conferences. You know, somebody wins an award for some project. They sit down at the table, and I'm the dude who says, cool. So how did you guys justify it? And when you got to it a year later, I mean, congratulations on your award. Was it worth it? Was the stuff you said it would do, did, did you deliver on that? Did you get the scale you promised at the price that you thought at the savings you expected? I haven't had a person yet look me in the eye and say, yeah, absolutely here or no, but here's why it worked. They'll just go, I don't know, dude, but I won an award for it. Isn't that good enough? <laughs> no, you knew how to bullshit and tap dance. Congratulations. But, and, and I'm not knocking these vendors. These vendors might be great. It's just more of a, we've got to get to this point where you, you want to go get budget and buy-in, then you have to be able to start demonstrating that your choice increased value in the organization. If, if not, I don't, I don't know how you're doing it. And, and we've got to start asking these questions because otherwise I, I don't, I don't see it. And you're right. You know, talking about detection, I still look at time saved. I mean, like if, if you're telling me right now that 85% of the alerts you're getting are false positives and it, you know, time, how long it takes some of your analysts to chase that stuff down. Tell me how much time then you're wasting. If you can cut that down, I, I think that's a value. Do, do you agree with that matter? Is that maybe a too simplistic way to look at it? It is a, it's an outcome on the other side, right? Is that I can reduce wasted time. I can reduce the number of resources because of uh, chasing false positives. So yeah, there is value in that. I, I truly believe there is value uh, in that reduction, especially with where we are from a skill set shortage and in all the things that are out there. Most of these resources and most of these skill set shortages are in the sock for, for part of what you, you laid out earlier, right? 
it's a hard job. It's a lot of stress. It's not a lot of fun. It's hard to get people to sit butts in seats and look at 17 monitors fearing that they miss one or they find the wrong one, right? So anything I can do to take aspects of the resource people problem um, uh, either out or make them more efficient is valuable based on where we currently sit in the security environment. I think one of the uh, interesting things for me that is could be devastating for an organization is if you have a SOC that is trying to identify uh, indicators of compromise or bad inside of your network, if they're wrong, it erodes the trust with the other operations groups within the organization such that they're ignoring those alerts. And that could be, the, it's hard to measure the, the devastating effects of that over time until maybe there's a breach or, or some other kind of incident that causes some significant uh, financial or reputation damage to that organization. Yeah, trust is still a big issue here. And, I, and I've, I've, I've said this for a few years now. We're not going to get the full automation until we continue to build trust. And trust starts yep. with the analytics and trusting that analytics to start to do our incident response practices. And if we don't build that trust, we're never going to get to the full nirvana of automation, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a big part of it. And so I think some people are a little worried that, you know, they can't, you know, if they do the wrong thing to the wrong one, it's eroding trust. We have to continue to improve here. Analytics will help, but it's got to analytics are going to have to start to move us substantially forward, right? Everybody talks about machine learning and artificial intelligence, but who's actually really doing it well? Who's moving the needle on making vast improvements into the detections and really saying, yeah, guys, I, I have high confidence. This is something that has to happen, right? I, I think there's a couple vendors starting to get there. I, I'm just not sure we have enough of that yet. Yeah. Although a lot of people talk about it, the proof's not there yet. Until it's there, we don't build the trust. And that's why you should continue watching and listening to Enterprise Security Weekly. And with that, we're going to take a short break, come back and talk about enterprise network monitoring, kind of the first in a series of segments on enterprise network monitoring. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. 